three, two, one. Hey everybody, it's me, the Einstein of Wall Street. We are here with Trade Like Einstein. I am Peter Tuckman, and we're here on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange in the balcony. History is made in this building every single day. Somebody with my long-term experience, I've been here for 137 years, it is my responsibility to help teach you how to navigate this market successfully. Boom! We are gonna talk about the headlines, which we don't often do. We've given you a great overview of a lot about the market and what's been going on, topical news over the last three months. However, the headlines are super important as we end up beginning Q2, right? This has been one of the wildest and craziest Q1s that we've seen for a long time. I've often talked about the fact that at 20, look, after COVID, right, we obviously had a major crisis on tw March 20th, 2020, where the market sold off when the world suddenly understood what was going around COVID and the whole economic global shutdown that we had. However, when the Federal Reserve stepped in and there was a massive $3 trillion stimulus into the market, we did see 2021 and no, 2020 and 2021 respectively go up 20 and 28 percent. Okay, which is significant. It's a big deal. I know it was a bit of a irrational a response to the fact that we were in a complete economic shutdown, but you have to realize that the Federal Reserve was buying everything that was not locked down. The stimulus package globally, corporately, in every possible way was absolutely huge, and the market responded. I'm a firm believer, whether you love Jay Power or not, or you don't agree with the way they print money and whatnot, I believe that if we did not do that in the eyes of the economic global shutdown that we had, we'd all be out there on bread lines now. We saw that in 07, 08, they put $800 billion over 18 months into the market as a response to the Great Recession of 2000, 2007, and 2008. Okay, and it took nine years to get back to even. We didn't have the time. This is a different era than that. This is a different time from that. And we did not have the time to take that long to get back to even. So, we decided, Federal Reserve decided in the eyes of what was going on, look, there's no playbook for a pandemic. There's no playbook for the way the world is interrelated so heavily globally, economically, as far as uh, energy goes and everything, that if we did not throw $3 trillion over three months into the marketplace, into the stimulus package for the... the uh, um, for all the Americans that we would have been in deep, deep trouble. What we ended up doing was with that influx of cash and that printing of money and that support and the stimulus that the Fed threw into the market during COVID, by August 16th of 2020, we were back to even. And the years that followed 2020 and 2021, we went up 20 and 28%. That left us 2022. 2022. So where did we end up? We had supply chain issues. We had massive inflation issues, right? The world was just trying to come out of COVID and trying to understand how do we get back to even on the other side of crazy here. The market itself was already back to even. However, the economy itself needed to follow suit. We had no wind in that sale. We had people who had been decimated and people who died. We had companies that went under. We had people who were literally living on the stimulus that the government was putting out in the Federal Reserve. Businesses were not up and running. The world was not up and running. People were not getting on planes, trains, and automobiles. It took us a couple of years, because if you remember, after we were started to get back on track, Omicron came out, and the whole world got torn down again. So 2021, at the end of it, started to look like a challenging time. What happened at the September of 2021, when we saw these massive supply chain issues, 
And we saw the great resignation, which is another thing that we could spend days talking about. Suddenly in August of 2021, millions of people left their jobs, right? These were people who had been sheltered in place and, and, and were at home after COVID and decided they didn't want to go back to work. I still haven't figured out where they're living and how they're supporting their families, but that's another story. So this is all the stuff that started to turn and burn at the end of 2021, the great resignation. And then suddenly in September, they threw on the menu, you know, when you go to your restaurant, you've been eating there for a long time and you know exactly what's going to be on that menu. And then suddenly they throw a special at you. That's what the Federal Reserve did in September 2021. They came out and they said, OK, we're in deep, deep distress over the inflation issues and the supply chain issues. Supply chain issues was this, was a was a, was a, uh, a manifestation of the world completely shutting down during COVID, companies stopping the whole supply chain issue, and then having to come back online. You can't just hit, hit a switch and you're cutting down trees and building houses and, 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 and exploiting oil. All this stuff took a while to get back on track. And that was the problem with the supply chain. Not only were people not working, but they just couldn't get products made and then products delivered to where they needed to be. So in September 2021, Federal Reserve comes out and said, we got a new menu. They're full of specials. That special is going to be to raise interest rates to combat inflation. What does that mean? That means we're going to pull money out of the system, right? There was everything was too expensive. Everything we had, we saw all oh, we saw gasoline go up to five dollars a gallon. We've we about five dollars a gallon, right? And and it actually went up to one hundred and thirty dollars a barrel. Any everything, anything and everything that we needed in our daily lives became incredibly expensive. And then it became really hard to get. And that was another thing. And then they had to pay more people more money for them to go back to work to make these things that we used to use that we hadn't used for years. So. The tech sector thrives off of zero interest rates, which is what we had for a decade. Suddenly, in order to combat inflation and pull money out of the system to curb inflation, they had to raise interest rates. They started to tell us about it in September 2021. So it should have been no surprise. And I'm going to get back to this when we talk about SVB and the bank collapse, because they were invested in things that they shouldn't have been investing in, knowing that the environment and the landscape of raising interest rates was not going to be good for treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. That's another story. But since September 2021, we knew that that special on the menu was going to be raising interest rates. Tech sector did not, and the markets itself didn't even engage that till Jan 1, 2022. And if you remember, go back in your minds, the market was great 2020, 2021, and then Suddenly, Jan 1, 2022, it was like we woke up and said, oh, my God, they're going to raise interest rates. It had been on the menu since September 2021. Suddenly, the market engages. Suddenly, the tech sector, which took us in this irrational, enthusiastic way through 2020 and 2021 and lifted the market back to even in three months and then so much higher over those last few months. Wow. I got to take a breather for a minute. Okay. So suddenly, on January 1, the tech sector, which had lifted us up through that time, which thrived off of zero interest rates, suddenly said, oh, my God, what's going on? It was like they woke up and saw this thing on the menu and said, well, nobody told us about this. And suddenly over 2022, that new landscape and environment of higher interest rates took out all the gas that was behind that tech sector. Suddenly all the things for R&D that they thrive on, right? The tech sector was borrowing money for zero for R&D and everything. And that's how they thrive. The minute they're paying more for that money being borrowed night after night. They tend not to do it. And that whole sector turned around, came in, and that was what decimated us during 2022. One of the most challenging years of all time. Double digit 
double-digit loss, double-digit losses in the S&P for the first time in a while. And 2022 took a lot of people down. There were stocks that were down 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent. The Shopify's, the Netflix, the Tesla's, the Apple's, the Ebay's, the PayPal's, that whole sector that took us up in 2020 and 2021 suddenly had to engage higher interest rates and they were no longer the fruit de mama. They were no longer the flavor of the moment and they got decimated. That's what took us down in 2022. Now, suddenly we're here in 2023. We're in the first quarter. Okay. Now, historically, the markets love to analyze things from historic past about with crashes, with sell-offs, with bulls, with bears, with recessions, with depressions, with financial crisis. They watch economic mechanisms and they make a judgment about how it used to be, how it happened the last time and what it's going to be in the future. I'm a proponent that, you know what, after COVID and after world has really gone through this whole thing, that you could really judge what's going to happen next around what happened in the past. But I may be proven wrong because we're starting to see things unwind. After a really bad year as 2022 was, we came in and after literally there were stocks down 70, 80, 90%. There were stocks that were trading at $330 down to five. Not even, we're not talking meme stocks. We're talking high-tech stocks, stocks that were really the, 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 the favorites of 2020 and 2021 had been also the favorites of years before that. Definitely were down 70, 80%. That's a big deal. These are companies making money that no longer were the favorites and they got decimated. This is one of the things that we're learning about the volatility of this market. And a lot of the big players in this market is when they love them, they buy them with abandon. But when they don't like them any longer, they don't care about price action. They're just out. They want out, sell it down 30, 40, 50 percent. We come into January 2023 after that challenging year of 2022. Still, interest rates are the topic of the moment as we continue in an aggressive fashion from March 2022. In the midst of this sell-off, we start raising interest rates and the market takes it on the chin in a big way. We come in and we had had 75, 75, 75 basis point aggressive interest rate raising by the Federal Reserve and the market took it on the chin in a big way. We come into Jan 2023. The question about employment and the labor force and how that affects uh, inflation, you need more people not working in order to pull more money out of the system, which makes no sense to me. It's a weird paradox. Why would I ever want less people working just to support an inflation story? I know things are more expensive and inflation is hot, but I would rather have everybody working and have to pay more for stuff than actually be able to go to people and go, well, we need two million of you to stop working in order to curb inflation. They did that in front of Janet Yellen at the Congress, and nobody really liked that story. I know Elizabeth Warren went hot tails. Uh, on Happy Town in that little discussion. And I agree with it. I'm not a big fan of hers in a big way, but that has nothing to do with it. At the end of the day, I don't know how we can go up against an economy that's been challenged over the last three years the way it has and families going through what they are going through around COVID, about family loss, about health issues, about mental health issues and all that and say, you know what, we're going to sur- we're going to surrender you, two million of you, to this inflation story so you don't have to ever work again. I mean, I don't get it. So anyway, we're here in 2023. It is the first quarter coming out of 2022. January out of the gate was a good month. We ended that first month up 11%. Now, everyone starts to go, look, the market tends to be a bit, the the, the catastrophists of the media love to say, oh, it's the biggest day. Oh, it's the worst day. It's the biggest recession or the biggest depression. They love coming up with these 
scenarios that get people all hopped up on stuff. And I tend to want to like look at it, analyze it, pull back, take a pause to try and figure it out. The media loves to just blow this stuff up. Up 11% in January. So now we look at, okay, after a really bad year, historically, when you have a year that's down double digits, the first month of the year tends to be a good one. Then they start to analyze the fact that in those years where the year before was bad and the first month was up double digits, then those years tend to be up double digit growth. If you have, are you clear what I'm saying? 2022, double digit loss. January 2023, up double digits 11%. They're saying that they're going to predict that when this has happened in the past, that the rest of the year has been a positive one. And after years like this, we closed out those years up double digits. So I said, okay, I like that story. I want to give something positive to people. And then we come into February. What happens in February? All that is lost. All that is said and done. It is an absolute roller coaster. We are suddenly dealing with banking crisis. We're dealing with the war in Ukraine. We're still dealing with the labor market uh, thing. And every bit of look, the Federal Reserve makes its judgments about interest rates based on data. It's a data driven decision-making process. And literally every single day, whether it's the PCE, the consumer confidence number, the unemployment number, the labor force, the, the, the ISM, the manufacturing number, what people are paying for things, what people's bank accounts look like, the savings, how much people owe, whether their credit cards are tapped out, all these little bits of information are the things that will affect how the Federal Reserve decides the economy is going, the inflation story is going, and will affect how aggressive they're going to be about raising rates. Obviously, their analysis was, you know what, we got to start tapering this. We have never had such a long-term aggressive raise before. And a lot of people believe that they didn't even give the chance for the market and the economy to assimilate and adjust and digest all of this aggressive movement, right? You're raising, you're raising, you're raising to try and get inflation under control, yet you're not even giving the market a chance to digest it and understand it. So there were people who were fans of it. There were a lot of people who are not, but there was so many cross currents about the labor markets and inflation and all that other stuff. So you're sitting there after February being quite a, a difficult month. We come into March. Once again, what I love about this market is just when you thought it was safe and everything's going to be cool, light and easy. Ah, wrong. That is a mistake. Forget about that story. There's always something going on in this new world we're living in. It's like the other side of crazy town. That's what I call post-COVID life, right? So you come into March. We've still got challenges. The Federal Reserve is still raising. You've still got this labor force problems, inflation story and whatnot. You've got a lot of problems with people's personal expenditures, savings accounts, and all these things that make up our lives, right? if you think about it, that's what they have to break down. Our lives are really crazy. If you're a family trying to work, maybe you don't have a job. Maybe people didn't want to go back to work, which I don't get at all. If I can go to work, I go to work. A lot of people didn't. The great resignation. So many of the, so this is what I've often talked about on this show before, is the fact that we've gone from like a 250 piece jigsaw puzzle to a friggin' thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. There are so many moving parts to this economy, to this market, to our lives, to industry, to commerce, to retail, whatever it may be. So many moving parts, you don't know what's going on. And then we come into March. 
We come into March and we're just saying, okay, so where are we at? It's coming into the end of the first quarter. Where do we stand? What's happening with inflation? Well, maybe we're getting a little disinflationary. Maybe we've curved some of these prices. Or gasoline's down from $5 a gallon to $3.35. Well, let's talk about that. That's a good thing. But then suddenly eggs are more expensive. It's friggin' Easter. Do you realize that today they started talking about eggs are too expensive for kids to be chasing around on Easter? They're going to give people potatoes instead of eggs to celebrate Easter? I mean, come on, that's crazy madness. So anyway, we come into March. We're trying to get a little. We had January up, February a bit skittish, up and down. I think it was ended up down by the end of it. We come into March hoping for a good first quarter, right? Hedge funds, institutions need to go back to their customers and go, you know what? This market's been topsy-turvy. It's been very volatile. I've been trading it for you. I want to give you a little bit of green and a little bit of love in your portfolio. How is March going to treat us? How are we going to come out of the first quarter? How are we going to go back to our customers and say we navigated this incredibly volatile, crazy market? And then we have a banking crisis out of friggin' nowhere. Oh, my God, who would have saw that coming, even though we should have seen it coming? Within the last two weeks, we've seen four of the largest banks all over the world fail, fail. People withdrawing $42 billion out of a bank, SVB, in 10 hours. Liquidity problems, Federal Reserve having to backstop multiple small regional banks. Credit Suisse in Europe failing. It was one of the grand take-unders of all time. The UBS, the United Bank of Switzerland, in order to preserve the banking system in general, in one of the wealthiest countries in the world, had to get bank stock for $100 billion by the government in order to make a take under of Credit Suisse that was trading on Friday at two bucks and they gave them 60 cents on the dollar. 10 hedge funds in America had $100 million exposures to Credit Suisse. The bondholders went under. They are now having to lay off 30,000 workers there in, in the UBS community in order to actually make this deal go through. Why would you say they would do that? Why would they put themselves? UBS didn't have any problems. I mean, maybe they did. We don't know it. We are now going to look under the hood of all these banks and see where their investments were. The banking system is a bit incestual, so you never know that they may be involved in some other stuff too. Okay, but we're seeing how fragile economies are, businesses, commerces, the, 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 the markets are, that on any given day, there are so many things that can completely upend our lives and our markets and our financial condition in a huge way. Okay, so we're coming into the end of the quarter. Today is April 3rd, I believe. I don't even know. Okay, and there's nothing April Fool's about this interview here. Okay, we came into the end of the quarter and we were lucky enough to eke out a 7% profit in the S&P 500 for, I believe, it may, uh, it may have been for the first quarter. Was it 7% for the whole quarter? So through that crazy January, the give back February, and the wild tumultuous March, we actually eked out a 7% profit in the S&P for the quarter. That's really spectacular. In the times, look, you see me, I'm adrenaline filled, I'm crazy, it's wild, it's been a roller coaster. And that kind of tried to impart to you how wild and crazy these last three months have been. We have now, the first quarter, Q1 of 2023, are in the history books. We eked out a 7% profit, which is huge in the S&P 500, gauging all the things that we've gone through. Crises, I mean, everything, everything that could happen, happened for sure, and it happened in this last quarter. Then, let's go pick up a little bit of history, and I have it right here in front of me with my wonderful Morgan, is that, oh, since 1954, 
17 times. The S&P 500 has closed out the first quarter seven up, 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 7% or more. And every single time that has happened, 17 out of 17, we ended that year up double digits, sometimes 15%, sometimes 20, I think as much as 30 or 40% up for the year. I'm trying to give you a little bit of hope. Okay, that's what I'm trying to do here. I don't want to be a catastrophist. I don't want to scare the living heck out of you. It doesn't help you in any way, in my opinion. It doesn't give you the strength and the gratitude to get up in the morning and deal with your life and your family and your finances and all that stuff. I want to give you a little bit of hope because everyone is looking at this market. Everyone in the world is watching what we do here. Everyone is looking at their 401ks. Everyone has got their eyes all over the market, whether you're a trader or an investor, or you have a 401k, or you're trying to save money for your children and colleges or whatever it is. I don't want to scare the heck out of you. And that's what the media tends to do on a daily basis. Scare the heck out of you. Yes, there are things to be worried about. Yes, the market and the economy are fragile. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to find a little bit, some little jewels some little jewels and all this information I'm throwing at you to give you a little hope going into the end of the year. So let's go over that again. Since 1954, the market has been up more than 7% 17 times. And 17 out of 17, in my belief, in my numbers, and I'm not that smart in that math, that's like 100% of the time. The market then has gone on to have double-digit growth into the end of the year. What does that say? Look, I did start this conversation by saying, that a lot of the hor histor historical, hysterical, historical data that has you worked in the past may not be working now. But if you want a little bit of an inkling of hope, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, that 17 out of 17 times that we had a quarter the way we just had, the first quarter closing out 7% or higher in the S&P 500, 100% of the time since 1954, we closed out the year in a positive way. Okay, so you know what? That's that's about all I have to say about that. However, we never know when the wild card's going to get tossed at us. Just like we saw with the banking crisis that came out of nowhere. It may have been marinating for a while. There may have been people who knew about it, but we didn't hear about it until two weeks ago. It happened in an incredibly fast and furious way. We've seen it. You go back to It's a Wonderful Life with George Bailey and the run of the banks there. That's what we had here. 42 billion taken out of one bank in 10 hours. Other banks, Signature Bank, Silvergate Bank, a lot of banks going under, Credit Suisse, take under, all that stuff. We ended the quarter, and yet this weekend, coming into the end of the quarter, I believe the quarter was over, out of nowhere, you see Saudi Arabia. Look, another story that's been mulling around, and it's a little bit political, and I don't like to be political, but I think it's important for us to note because it relates to the dollar. The, the U.S. dollar has been a currency of choice globally for since the beginning of friggin' time. You know, I mean, the dinosaurs probably, right? And I wasn't around for them. I was around for a couple hundred years. I wasn't here with the dinosaurs. Although my daughter loves dinosaurs and I wish I was around for them anyway. So over the last couple of weeks, we have been hearing about that a lot of it, that there, there have been a bunch of parties thrown by China, by Iran, by Saudi Arabia, and by Russia. Right. Not particularly our favorite friends, not people we normally invite to a Passover Seder or a, or a Easter dinner. But these are people that we have to live with on a daily basis in commerce and in business. They've been having parties and not inviting us to the table. And in fact, over the weekend, they also decided that going forward, a lot of their transactionary um, situation is no longer 
first time in decades, perhaps a lifetime, is not going to be using the U.S. dollar as their currency of choice. Now, look, that's gotten my attention. I don't understand the story, and I promise you I'm going to learn more about it and come back to you and tell you that story. But on the tails of that story, we suddenly saw the powers that be that control the largest amount of petroleum oil production in the world, and Saudis, Iran, and Russia decided over the weekend to cut production. Supply, demand, you cut production, the price goes up. A massive surprise, surprise cut of oil production globally. Now, we know we're in the midst of a war with Ukraine. We know a lot of our oil producing friends are no longer our friends. We know it's been a bit of a wild turf over the last couple of years in oil. We saw it go to negative 25. We saw it go to $130 a barrel. We are very oil. We have been in the past oil dependent on oil producing countries. We did get to a point where I think we were producing enough oil with fracking and this and that, whether you agree or not. It's not a political show. But in the midst of what's going on now, we are still have a lot invested in the price of oil, how much production we are participating in, and how dependent we are on powers that be around the world who may not be our friends today, may have been in the past, but we're not inviting them to Easter dinner. They cut the, the production of oil drastically in a surprise cut. And today, oil, today is Monday, the first day of trading of Q2. Oil surged 6 percent, and that's massive. What does that mean? Yes, I know it's just one sector, but we are dependent on oil for absolutely everything. The way our commerce is run, the way we live and heat our houses, the way we produce and do everything in absolutely virtually every industry, think products that you make, places you go, travel, whatever it may be, we are dependent on that. And we've seen this in the past where we've had uh, crises around the production levels of oil. So this was a surprise. This caught us by surprise, I believe. And I think this is going to have a big ongoing problem going forward as we see this. Not only are these guys who were once our friends no longer our friends. Not only are these guys, and I will always talk, because often people will tell me, what do I think of the energy sector? And I will always say that when the, a sector, a sector, is controlled by powers that be, when they move their big toe, and decide to do it without giving me a phone call, they can completely disrupt the whole world's economies in one fell swoop, as this move by the Saudis did. I don't know why they did it. Look, I, it's not my business, but it definitely threw the markets into a bit of a turmoil. So look, we finished Q1. We're out of it, okay? A lot went on. We did end up up 7%. We're hopeful that this year will be a double-digit growth if history is any bit of a telling story. However, what's amazing about what's happening here today is that a lot is still going on. We never get to a point where this story is over or this story settles down or everything's going to just be okay because shit's cool, excuse my language. We come out of the gate, Q2 done in the history books. That's a beautiful thing. Let's move on because 2023 is going to continue to be volatile. It's going to be continue to be wrought with crisis. As we know, there's a war in the Middle East. I mean, there's a war in Eastern Europe. We've obviously got some new ongoing problems with the energy sector in the Saudis. We've obviously got a problem going on with how the dollar is going to respect as a, as a, as a, as a favored currency around the world. Some of our old friends are no longer our new friends. We've got a lot going on. These markets will always adapt. They will always adjust themselves. But at the end of the day, volatility is here to stay. Trade like Einstein, Money News Network is going to bring Money News Network is going to bring it to you every day, whether it's headlines, history, or just talking about these markets, charts, volatility. I don't know. I just love it. And that's all I got to say about that. Trade Like Einstein is a production of Money News Network. 
Trade Like Einstein is hosted by the ever energetic Peter Tuckman. Trade Like Einstein is executive produced by Morgan Lavoy. Thanks so much for listening. Check out moneynewsnetwork.com for more podcasts.